Luke chapter 9. Luke 9 and verse 23. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. And a reading from the NIV, and it, it reads like this. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for me will save it. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. We're continuing our theme, our series this morning on the theme of multiply. We began to look uh, last week at the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Further on it goes on to say, Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We're looking at following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be part of the multiply vision? To multiply literally means that it's the continuous spread of the kingdom of God in the lives of individual people, just like you and me. When we speak of multiply and the vision of Christ multiplying, it's literally this. And when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it's what we call the, it's called the Great Commission, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He's literally calling upon all believers to continually spread the kingdom of God in our lives. In and through our lives to take the kingdom of God and to share it with the world. It's called the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness, peace, and to be made right with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. To multiply, to share, to spread, to move in and throughout the whole world, and the kingdom of God to spread, not only just to be in my life, not left in me and contained in me, but to be released and bubble up and spread throughout the world. And so you and I, whether we like it or not, we are part of the continuous spread of the kingdom of God. We are called, Jesus' last words, his final words, his most important words to the people he loved, people like you and me, believers, was go, share, spread, the love of God, the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And so in that sense, all of us are on a mission. All of us are called. We have a purpose. We're here on earth to live for Jesus Christ, to live the kingdom life, to have and live in the kingdom life, the love, the forgiveness, the freedom, the mercy, the grace of God that is within us to be lived out and shed throughout the world and around us, whatever my world is. And so in that way, we are all on a mission. All of us are called. All of us are. It's not just for the person that stands at the front or someone that stands in church, for someone that's part of the clergy or someone that's called or paid to do or there's something that's um, full-time employment or secular work. We're all on a mission. Everyone is called. It's a whole life. The life of the kingdom. For the Jesus, the kingdom of God is come. And so we're part of that mission. We, we've discovered that in the early church, the original people like you and me were called believers. They were referred to as disciples, brothers, sisters, people of the way. Can you remember, we looked at this and in the book of Acts, there's a place called Antioch. They were first called Christians, Christ ones, Christ followers, Christians. Remember the catchphrase that was given to people at that time and the people at Antioch were very good at 
uh, uh, bringing um, catchy catchphrases to describe different people. It was, they were good at this. And when they saw these disciples, these followers, these early believers, these brothers, these sisters, they could see something about them. They called them Christ ones or Christ followers because they looked, acted, and think like Jesus Christ. There was something about these people, these Christ ones, hence they called them Christians. They were making fun of people, but they labeled them. They labeled them with the label of Jesus Christ because... They saw something and heard something and felt something. And when they were in their company, there was something about them that was completely of Jesus. Hence, they were called Christians, Christ ones. And so today, all these years later, that that label stuck. That label stuck. And we're called to be Christ ones, Christ followers, disciples, brothers, sisters, part of the kingdom of God. And literally, a, a Christian is a Christ one, a Christ follower Seen to be like Christ in every way. Seen to be like Jesus in every way. Not just seen, but heard. Actually, to be like Jesus in every way. A Christian is on a mission to be like Jesus and let the world know that Jesus lives. The songs that we're singing this morning speak of that, don't they? Him being alive, glorified. We want to live in his glory, live for his glory. This speaks of us living and being and loving Jesus Christ and those around us, the world. And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and your neighbor is yourself. Love God, live for God, love the world around us. What is your world wherever you are, wherever we're called to, whatever we're in, that's our world. We spend 90% of our time in our world. 10% of the time gathered in church in a gathered, in a gathered way. 90% of our time is scattered as a scattered Christian. As a Christian in the world in which you and I live, your world is different from perhaps from my world and the person's world next to you, but that's our world. And so 90, over 90% of my time is scattered in the world. 10% of the time is when we gather. So we're scattered Christians and gathered Christians. Here we're gathered. We're gathered to encourage, to worship God, encourage one another, be equipped, released, inspired, and released when I'm 90% scattered in my world. And so we are disciples. We're called to follow, be followers of Jesus Christ. A disciple in the East followed their master, their teacher. In the Eastern world, there were many teachers, many religious teachers. And at the time of Jesus, there were many religious teachers and rabbis. They referred to Jesus as a rabbi, a teacher. People saw that many people walked about him and followed him, and he had great things to say. And so people looked at him as a teacher follower, a teacher rather, and many followed him. And it wasn't unusual in the East to follow a teaching. It wasn't unusual at all to follow the Torah, the teaching, the law, the teachings of the law, and to follow a a plan of teaching. But Jesus said something more radical than that. He didn't say, just follow my teaching. He said, follow me. We follow the person of the Lord Jesus Christ And so in the East, they understood this idea of following a master, but following their teaching. And uh, the idea was that you would, uh, if you were a disciple, you were a follower of a master, teacher, rabbi, or whatever the teacher was, and you'd be with them, you'd follow them, you'd be around them, you'd be amongst them. You wouldn't just sit away and, and you, well, you couldn't listen to it on a podcast because they didn't have podcasts in those days, but you know what I mean. You couldn't just sit away and be away from it. Today you could sit at home and never gather another. But they were with, amongst, and with the person that they were following. It means to, to be with, to learn, live the life, and practice. You see, a disciple was with, followed, 
lived with and practiced. It's akin today to the word similar, apprentice. Don't see so many apprenticeships perhaps today, but an apprentice uh, wasn't just someone that goes to college and does the study and knows what it's about, but it's someone that actually goes to college, does the studying, and is in work, and teams up with a mentor who then shows them what to do and how to do it, and then says, right, now have a go. And so uh, disciples, a bit like apprentice, Jesus is our master, and we are the apprentices. And it's hands-on work. It's not just some study, we know a good talk, but it's something that becomes us, because you take on everything that the mentor, following the mentor. And so Jesus calls us to be his disciples, his followers, his Christ ones. Uh, that was the aim of God. To, to, this is why he sent his son into the world. To be amongst us so that we can see God, follow God, be like, live for him. And be back in relationship with him through the forgiveness and death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our repentance and trust in him. And so we've been looking at this this. So this discipling vision that Jesus shared, this multiplying vision that was to go around the whole world, uh, we've begun to look at this and uh, coin the phrase multiply. It's taking on the Great Commission. And uh, we've looked at the idea and I introduced it last week about these three aspects of the multiply vision, the Jesus vision of uh, the commission, is to follow Jesus, live courageously, and tell the world. I introduced that theme last week. Follow Jesus, live courageously, and tell the world. So when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything, there's, I've brought it all together. How are we going to do that? Well, this is how we're going to do that. How are we going to, oh, go into all the world, be a disciple, disciple the nations, grand vision. How's that going to happen? Well, I've sort of brought it a bit more down to earth, a bit more uh, easier to follow, practical. And there's three things. Follow Jesus, live courageously. We'll look at that in the future. Tell the world. We'll look at that. Today, let's look at follow Jesus. We're going to look at follow Jesus. Jesus said some amazing things in Luke 9, 23. It's not the only uh, time he's talked to, uh, to his disciples and said to them, if anyone, therefore if anyone is to follow me, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to come my way, then there's some things. There's a way. There's some steps. And so we're going to look at those steps. And this is for all of us. All of us are called to be followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us is on that mission. And we're going to look at that this morning. So he says a number of things. He says, you are to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me. There's three things. There's three um, steps, phrases, aspects, whatever you want to call them, that he shares there. If we're to follow him, if we're to enter this Commission, the great commission, if we're to really take seriously the mission that you and I are on, and you, we are on mission, you're not just doing a secular job, there's no such thing. We're on mission, all of us. Whether you, don't, you don't just say, well, I've got to go to Bible college to serve God. We're all serving God. People maybe do go to Bible college to serve God, perhaps. But we're all on a mission of following him. And so he says a number of things. He says, deny yourself Pick up your cross daily and then follow me. Okay, deny yourself. What's all that about? If we're going to follow him, the steps that we take, what does it mean? See, when Jesus says, deny yourself. Does that mean I better start giving up? I'm going to make my New Year's resolutions now. I'm going to go on my health drive now. 
I get in early before I start having to give it up in the, in, in, on, the, on the 2nd of January. I'll start now. Does it mean I've got to give up sweeties? Have I got to start, um, have I start uh, or whatever it is that you want? Yeah. Is it, does it mean I've got to stop watching a certain program? It, is it deny myself? Um, I've got to give some things up. In actual fact, when Jesus said these words, it meant so much more. There may be things that we put aside, but he wasn't saying that. There may be things that we end up giving up, but he wasn't getting at that. He wasn't actually saying that. There was something far more that he was saying. When he said, deny yourself, he was really speaking about the human nature, the fallen human nature that says, I'm living my way. It's the me, my, and I in me. Well, some people will call it, psychologists call it the ego, what makes us us. But it's the self, myself, my way, my idea, it's what I want, it's what I'm going to do, my plans. It's our agenda, it's the human agenda for life. So what Jesus was really saying was this, first of all, you have to put aside your agenda, the human agenda. You'll still be a human. You're still going to be you. You're still going to live on this earth. You're still going to relate and be in life. You're still going to have friends. You're still going to go to work. You're going to do all the things that we need to do as human beings. But we've got to cease living for us as a first priority. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything, all things will be given you. The priority is Jesus God, God first. God being first, preeminent, preeminent, foremost, the highest place. And so when we sing, Lord Jesus, take your place, that wonderful song we're singing, which is a great song, we're saying, not my way, but your way. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, if you could take this cup from me, the bitter cup of death. And then he says this, as his sweat drops like blood in anguish and agony, but not my way, let your will be done. Jesus dealt with the me, my, and I in him. It's amazing, incredible. The Savior leads the way. The Son of God calls us to live for him. And so we bring our lives and say, I want to live for you. It's as simple as that. It's not striving. I give you my life. The amazing thing is that God comes in and gives us the power to live for him. That's the grace of God not something we have to strive over or try at, but the grace of God comes in, helps us so that we can live in. But the first step is, is to deny self, the selfish part of me, the self-centered part of me. Now you may say, how dare you, Adrian, say I'm self-centered, I'm selfish. Well, you've only got to look to God and God will speak to you. I can't say any of that to you. But God looks at our hearts and says, put aside the agenda, your human agenda, Human beings, we believe the earth in which we now live is man-centered. Man and woman-centered for that matter. I mean people-centered. You know what I mean when I say that. It's humanistic. Human beings are at the center. We're top of the food chain. We are, evolutionary theory would say, from a scientific point of view, it promotes humanism. In other words, humans are in charge. You're the captain of your soul. That's not the case, for we acknowledge our creator. We are just, I'm created. God is creator. God is the captain of my soul in that respect. And that I am here 
to come and give my life afresh to the living God. So, Jesus says, deny yourself. And so, he sees, means put aside yourself, your human agenda, and give your life over to God. To become a Christian, we say, forgive me. We repent. Forgive me for my sin. Sin is I live for me without God. Every single one of us is in sin. We live for ourselves. We have ourselves. It comes to a point where we've got to say, God, I want to be back in relationship with you. I've fallen. I've lived my life for myself. So we repent. It means to turn around. Ask God to forgive us for living for me without God at all. No matter how good you've been or how much you've prayed or read the Bible, those are good things, but they don't make you a Christian. They don't put us right with God. They're great things. They're wonderful things to do. But what makes us right with God is to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave his son that we might not perish. He lived the life that was perfect and becomes our substitution. He stands in our place, becomes perfect. So when Jesus died on the cross, all of that which is perfection is then transferred. When we put our faith and trust in him and say, forgive me, I want to live for you, all that was placed on him is now placed on our lives, forgiveness, mercy and trust. He takes our place to deny ourselves. Secondly, he says, then pick up the cross daily and then follow me. Second thing, pick up the cross daily. So we're to come and give our lives and to say, Lord, not me, but you. Not my will, but your will. That's a great prayer. That's how we deny ourselves. Not my will, but your will be done. Let your will be done in my life. Family, marriage, home, work. The decisions I'm about to make. I want your will. That's living. First of all, living for him. Secondly, pick up your cross daily. In the, in the Roman world at the time, the cross, a cross, crucifixion was one of the worst, horrible, barbaric forms of death. It wasn't something the Romans invented. They took this from the, the, the Far East. You know, the Medes and the Persians had a horrible way of death. They invented crucifixion. The Romans perfected it, as they did with many things. They took it, perfected it, and made it even worse. And so the cross would speak of death. There was an uprising um, in, the, in, you know, in, in the time um, of, of Jesus' day. There had been many uprisings. And in, in a particular uprising in, in the Jewish world, you know, sort of in that era, um, hundreds and hundreds of people that were involved in the uprising were in the rebellion, were taken and crucified. And they lined the road with people being crucified as a, as a, as a, um, a way of saying to the population, this is what will happen to you. Crucifixion, it was death. It was a horrible means of death. It speaks of death. What a great start to the morning to speak of death, isn't it? But there's a, there's a reason why Jesus says this. He says, pick up your cross. Each of us, something has to give in our lives. Something has to die so that we can live. Jesus died so that we could live. He was rose again. That's the good news of the kingdom. Death has no sting. Death has no say over our lives. That's the good news. It's great news. It's amazing news. It's wonderful news. It's forgiving news. It's forgiveness. But something has to give. We have to pick. Something has to die in our hearts. Don't panic. You know, I'm not saying that you literally have to die. I'm not saying that. But something has to give. Spiritually, give. And there may be other things in our lives that needs to give. It speaks of death. It speaks of sacrifice. Sacrifice, surrender, and service. The cross speaks of death. It speaks of sacrifice, surrender, and service. On the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. What amazing grace to the world, to the earth, to the universe. He said, they know not what they do. Then he, he gave up his spirit. He says, he gave up himself to God. There's something about giving our lives completely poured out to God. 
And the picking up of our cross is where we pour ourselves out for God. We say, take my life. That's what has to happen. Daily. We do that when we become a Christian. But there's a walk with Jesus. If we're to follow him, there's something that says, not my way, your way. There's the surrender of the self. Then something has to die. I surrender all. We sing the great hymns, we sing the great songs. I surrender all. I surrender all. It's all or nothing. Either hot or cold. It's as stark as that. It's in our face. He calls us to take up the cross. Speaks of sacrifice. Surrender. You know, there's lots of teachings today that says, you know, you'll have it all. Even in the Christian world, which is great. But Jesus said to give ourselves completely to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. Speaks of God's agenda. If the denial of self is ridding ourselves of man's agenda, the, the, the agenda of the self, the cross speaks of God's agenda, God's plan, God's way for our lives. Daily. It's intentional. This is my life. I give myself to you. I'm not saying that you become a Christian again every day and every day and every day. It's not, I'm not saying that. We give our lives to Christ. We're given to Christ. Put our faith and trust in him. We repent. But it's this coming and saying, I want to live for you. I'm living for you. Your will be done. I sac- some, I, I'm going to give. I'm going to let go. I'm going to... It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. I'm crucified with Christ. Something's died. Death and hell and sin has been put to death in my life. And I'm to follow him. And thirdly, he says then, follow me. Interesting that. Jesus doesn't even say, follow the teaching. He says something interesting. He says, follow me. In the East, you followed the teaching of the rabbi. But Jesus says, follow me. Michael David Watson uh, wrote a great book some years ago on discipleship. And he says this. He's speaking on discipleship. He says, when Buddha was dying, his disciples asked how they could best remember him. He told them not to bother. It was his teaching, not his person, that counted. With Jesus, it's altogether different. Everything centers around him. Discipleship means knowing him, loving him, believing in him, being committed to, as you know it, him, naturally living in him. It's all about Jesus. Everything's for him, through him, and for him. If you hear anything else that gets you to follow any other teaching, any other person, even any other Christian leader, if it's Jesus plus, run away from it. It's Jesus. It's only Jesus. All for Jesus. Only him. And so he says, follow me. Be with me. Learn from me. Be like me. In other words, we're called to deny ourselves, pick up the cross. Something has to, we surrender. Something has to give. Something dies in our, and then we're to want to be with him. Be like him and live like him and be with him. 
But you say to yourself, how are we going to do that? Because I can't see him today. It's all very well in those days, in the earliest days, in the, in when, when the disciples walked this earth, the early disciples, they actually walked with him and they were around him and they were with him. In John chapter 14, Jesus shares. He says, I'm going to be away from you. You might want to mark it down, write it down somewhere. But John 14 is an amazing passage of how we can know him and be with him and walk with him. In John 14, Jesus says, I won't leave you alone. I won't leave you as orphans. I won't leave you on your own. He says, I'm going to send another helper, advocate, comforter, helper to be with you. The person of the Holy Spirit. And so it's through the power and person of the Holy Spirit as we become born again. He speaks in John's Gospel of being born again, born of the Spirit. In John chapter 3, that we're born of the Spirit, born again as we put our trust in Jesus Christ and ask forgiveness. Then he says, I send the person of the Holy Spirit to be with you, to live in you, live amongst you and be within your life. The kingdom of God comes in our hearts. Sometimes we look for a lot of external stuff. Great miracles, raising of the dead. It's it's good, it's wonderful, it's true. But the kingdom of God comes to live within. We'll know, be sealed with the Spirit, in the Spirit, full of the Spirit in our hearts. And in John 14, Jesus shares this and begins to unpack this. This is how we'll know him. The same spirit as Jesus. The same spirit as Jesus. And so we can be with Jesus, know him through being forgiven, born again, and the power of the Holy Spirit living in and within us and amongst us. This is what Jesus is basically saying in John chapter 14. And the early disciples knew this and understood this. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Pentecostals, we're great at latching onto that for the miracles, which is absolutely legitimate to some degree. But he says, to be my witnesses. You will receive power to be the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit, to walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, be like Jesus, to be the strength and power to overcome and to be like him. So Paul was chained to a Roman soldier and he could say to the Ephesian church, writing a letter thanking God for all the riches in the heavenly realm. And yet he was chained to a Roman soldier, not, you could say, benefiting from those riches because he had the power to be. No Jesus within this very heart and life. Jesus, the kingdom of God, had come within. And so there's this understanding of following, being with Jesus. How are we going to be with Jesus? When we commit our lives to Christ, born of the Spirit. And so any relationship is about communication. And, any rela- and God communicates, wants to communicate with us and to us and wants to talk to us, be with us, love us, be amongst us through the power and person of the Holy Spirit. That's why he sent him to be amongst us. And so there's this sense of communication, of love, of experience and of knowledge. And it's, so we talk about knowing God. And so just like in any relationship, God wants to communicate with us. And so we understand something becomes then very important. If we're to be with Jesus, to follow him and to be like him, as we're trying to look at now, and through the power and person of the Holy Spirit, we understand some amazing things about Jesus. Jesus is the living word. Jesus is the living word. He's the word who became flesh. It's in John, chapter, uh, John, John 1, 1 and John chapter 1. Jesus is the word and the word becomes flesh and the word was with God. Jesus is the living word, the word of God, the the word of God, the heart of God, living, personified in flesh. And so we have the living word, and we also have something else with us today. It's called the written word. There's the living word, that's Jesus Christ personifying the communication, the heartbeat of God, and the living word, the written word. That's why your Bible is so incredibly important. 
Your Bible is so incredibly important. It'd be one of the things that the governments will try and stop people from bringing into certain countries around the world. Why is that? Why is that? Why do they want to stop the Bible in certain, certain countries? They'll go through your suitcase. won't even let you have a Bible in there. Not just that you will spread Christianity, because it's the Word of God. And so our Bible, the, the Old and New Testament, becomes of incredible importance for God wants to communicate to you and I. The Word written and the Word living, Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word. And so he communicates with us, he talks, loves, reaches out to us. This is how we can follow him and know him. To know him is to communicate with him, to be with him. And you can know him today, even though you might not see him per se. Uh, um, A pastor, a friend of mine, David Holdaway, is coming to speak in our church soon. And his theme is, they saw Jesus. Make sure that you're around. We'll be sharing that in a few weeks' time. He's, He's done a research and a study of people that met with Jesus and know Jesus and love Jesus and live for Jesus. It's amazing. He's coming to share this theme amongst us soon. So the written word and the living word is so very, very vitally important. And so today, we can know and be with Jesus and follow Jesus and be like Jesus because a disciple is someone that's with Jesus. And the disciples had him tangibly amongst them, but today he's amongst us and with us because he's alive by the power of the person of the Holy Spirit not just a force to do some wonders. The person and power and the person of the Holy Spirit bring Jesus here. We can know him, love him, be loved by him, feel his arms around us, be healed, saved, forgiven, loved, hear his voice. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit. So open up our hearts to the Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Open up our hearts to the Spirit. Say we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We love you. John chapter 14, another helper, an advocate. He'll be with you. He said, I'll be away, but don't be afraid. He will bring me to you. It's amazing. It's incredible. Jesus is here. You may know him, not just here, but wherever you are. Wherever you are, no matter what difficulty, what triumph, you may know him through the power, person of the Holy Spirit. So we need to welcome the person of the Holy Spirit. Open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Second thing that we can do is prayer, prayer and worship. It's communication. We're talking about communicating the word, the living word. Jesus is the living word. We know him through the Holy Spirit. But we also know him as we pray, as as we speak to God. We speak to Jesus. We speak to God. You know, prayer isn't just, as you know, and you know well, not just asking for things. We may ask for certain things, but we can speak to God and say, I love you. I need you. I'm going to walk with you today. And it's so hard because I'm hurting so much. You can talk like that. It's called a prayer. Walk with him. It's what the hymn writers would talk about, walking with Jesus along life's narrow way. We walked with him and we talked with him. Some of the hymns declare practicing the presence, walking with. And so we can pray as we worship. So open heart to the Spirit of God to pray to work daily. Each day, Jesus says, follow me. Third thing that we can do is we can lay hold of him in the written word. Jesus is the word. The word. I recommend going through the Gospels. If you don't have a reading plan and you struggle with reading plans and you know what it's like when you read something, you forget the next day and you've got to read a bit more and you forget about three days and you've got to catch up and then you've had a month. You think, oh, I've got so much to read. I can't do that. I suggest, if you, 
you want to see Jesus, go to the Gospels quickly as you can. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I've been looking at Luke and it's been revolutionary. It's been amazing. It's been incredible. No other commentaries, no other DVDs, not watching it on, on any other channel, no channel, but just the Bible channel. Just the Bible channel. Just this one. And as I've read, just for a while, it's not wrong to look at other things and it's good and commentaries and books and have them, it's good. And watch other channels, that's great too. But for your own, as it were, daily, something daily is get hold of Luke's gospel. Start to read it chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I've gone back, I've missed a day, but I've gone back another day. I've stayed on a half a chapter, stayed on a certain verse. I've been reading it for months. I've been going over it for a number of months. I've just been enjoying it. Just enjoy it, don't endure it. Go back over it. Don't beat yourself up. If you've missed it for a, a few weeks or something, go back over it and come back and pick up where you left off. But look at Jesus. Find Jesus. Love him. Hear him. Let him talk to you because this is the word of God. It's breathed by the heart of God. The word. Spirit, prayer and worship, the word daily. Presence of Jesus. Speak to him. Welcome him. I reach out to your Lord. I love you, Lord. Talk to him that way. When I first became a Christian, I was mentored. I didn't realize this. I was just befriended by a, a young family that I was about maybe 18, 19 years of age. And this young family they had uh, a couple of, uh, two or three y- younger children. And um, the lady, Rosemary, was the guitarist and pian- piano player. Didn't have guitars in the church I was in. Had the piano and the organ now and again. And um, she played the piano. And um, she would talk to God talk to Jesus while she's washing up. She was a busy lady, young family, working mum, brilliant Christian. And she just was so natural and infectious and alive. And she, and she was just normal and lovely. And, and she just said, Adrian, you can just know him like that. I'm busy shopping, Lord. It, it, was, it was, wasn't, you know, it was demystifying. She just, it was amazing. And you can talk to Jesus that way too, daily. I'm trusting you today, God. Lord Jesus, I'm putting my life in your hands. Something amazing starts to happen. As that becomes a habit, as, it, as people say, the more often you can do that, it becomes a habit. What happens is we do that once or twice. We have good intentions. We, we, we go for a couple of days a week. But if you can then come back, not beat yourself up, but come again, come again, come again. If you can come back again and again and again, ultimately it becomes a new habit. That's how habits form. You do something that's enticing, and you think, oh, I'll never do that again. And then you do it another time. But before you know it, you started doing something over a length of time. It's become a habit. Well, why not make a good habit? It's a good habit, isn't there? A habit of following Jesus. And come back again and again. And if you fall over and you miss a bit, just come back again. And trying to connect those dots, as it were. Come back again and again and again. Until ultimately, it becomes a new good habit. It becomes a new good habit. Follow him. Stop. Will you follow him? Will we follow him? We're on a mission. We're on a journey. And he gives us and calls us and loves us and sends the person of the Holy Spirit to help us. Isn't that great news? He's called helper. He's called helper. That's great news. It's not something you have to work at and try really hard and get all beaten up over and say, you're no good as a follower. It's not like that. You've got the helper. He comes and helps. Great news. Great news. It's the good news this morning. Let's pray. Follow him. Lord Jesus, see our hearts and see our lives this morning as we open up our lives to you. We thank you that you have led the way. Christ has died. 
Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And this morning, the same is true of our lives. We've put our trust in you. We have died and we have risen. We have been crucified with Christ. We've also been raised with you. We have all the riches in the heavenly realms. And so this morning, we open up our hearts to you afresh and we say, Lord, see our hearts. I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you. Forgive me. Anything that's come my way, that's pulled me back, that's tripped me up, it's been down a blind alley, I say, Lord Jesus, this morning, as I respond to your love, and I respond to your call, and I respond to your mercy, and I respond to the help of the person of the Holy Spirit, I say to you, Lord, I want to follow you fully with my life, my whole life. I'm not just going to follow a teaching I'm not just going to do a certain lifestyle. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to choose to follow you, to be with you, to seek to be like you naturally through the power and person of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.